Welcome to Diary of the Unseen Job Seeker, where we dive into the emotional journey of job hunting with raw, personal narratives. We're here to connect, uplift, and inspire, highlighting the resilience and unity needed to navigate the path forward together. Welcome, Grisani. Thank you so much for joining me today. And I appreciate your willingness to share your story. I know that it can be very vulnerable to, to say I'm going to share a story that's close to my heart, but I am happy to have you here. And so I want to see if you can just kick us off with a quick intro snapshot into your life. I know we had a conversation before going into this episode, but I would love for everybody to just know what's been going on in your life here. Thank you for having me. So I am from South Africa. I studied at Northwest University. That's in the Northwest province in Bochumström. I studied psychology and I did my degree in psychology, my honors degree in psychology as well. I think the most of the trouble with job seeking comes with the limited amount of jobs available in the psychology field, as well as the fact that in South Africa, to become a psychologist, you have to have a master's degree, and the selection process is really rigid and exhaustive. So they only choose like 30 people for honors, and for honors, you have to go through interviews and a research task, as well as academic selection. So you have to have above 85% for your psychology modules to get honors. Wow. And then within that honours year where you do your honours, you can go for master's selection where you have to write a bunch of essays about who you are as a person, what was the hardest thing you experienced, stuff like that. And then you still get rejected, which is tough. And then when you do get through that selection week, you do a bunch of group activities, you do metaphor activities, they look at your grades, and then they still reject you because they only choose five. Oh my God. And there's no... There's like about a thousand people who apply at each university each year for masters. Then they choose 50 for the selection week. And I was at the selection week, but still to, to compete against 49 other people, it's still a lot. And out of that, they only choose five yeah. at each university each year. So what happens is it forms this kind of bottleneck where each year people reapply. So you're not only competing against your honors counterpart you're competing against last year's honor students you're competing against people from 2015 2014 which is sad because in south africa you're like yeah (laughs) so it's the people from the previous years as well oh my goodness so it's like however many years back people from previous years so you have to reapply so it's like you're reapplying going into new year but then also all these other people from 2014, 2015, yes. et cetera, that you're, wow. Okay. So yeah, go up, please continue. That's. Yeah. And they have more work experience than you do as like, I'm, I was last year, I was 22. So obviously like a 30 year old would have more experience than me in life. And then the sad thing about this is South Africa's population is like 50 million. We only have 2000 psychologists in South Africa who are practicing. Some of them aren't even counseling psychologists or clinical. They are research psychologists. So it's like this handful of psychologists who has to help this big population of people. And East South Africa has a lot, a lot of problems. So it's really mental health work is really actually 
to me critical in this country, but it's being neglected. And because it's being gatekept yeah. and they only choose five each year, a lot of hopeful like people who want to help get rejected the whole time. A lot of our lecturers told us, yeah, you don't have to worry, like some people apply six times before they get in. And to me, that's not motivational because I'm like six years of your life applying and then you have to study two more years. You have to write a thesis. You have to do community work, then a community year and write a board exam before you become a psychologist. By the time I'm done, I'm going to be like 40 before I like get money. I have a salary and to me that is not acceptable to me so then I had to figure out okay I need to figure out how can I apply myself to jobs what can I do to get to into a job grow in a career part of me is really I'm regretful over the fact that I didn't study industrial psychology because industrial psychology gears you towards more job opportunities because you can work for a company you can do psychometry But now I have to work with what I have. I know I have skills. I know I'm intelligent. I know I have all these things that can make me a great person, a great employee. But I just need to get a job that believes in that. And that's the hard part, especially in South Africa where the unemployment rate is like 49%. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. It's a lot. Yeah, Grisani, that's a lot. Yeah, that is, I had no idea that is what's going on over there. And a couple of questions like come to mind for me. So I want to definitely go into the finding a job part, because I know, like you said, you're at a stage where you're like, hey, I need to find a job. I need to figure out how I'm going to make this work where I can find a career you have skills, you have so much value. And so getting somebody to recognize that and see that so you can get hired, that's the challenge. And then with the unemployment rate being so high, then it's, there's all of this competition. So there's a lot of challenges that you're facing. I want to go back real quick, if you would be willing to share about, you said hindsight, reflecting that you had wished that you had gone into industrial psychology because there's more opportunities in that area. When you were initially deciding a degree to pursue, how did you go about making that decision? Did you have support, like people that were able to share insights into the market and help you understand? Or were you just like going into it, just knowing this is your passion and this is what you want to do? So when I decided on what I'm going to study, I was in grade 11. So I was 17 years old, which I feel is so young to make this decision. But I had a lot of support from my mother. She took me to a career counselor. So I wrote a bunch of psychometric tests. So they actually looked at what I have skills in, what I like. And then the psychologist sat with me and looked at possible career options. One thing she did not do is look at the job market, which I feel like that's something a career counselor can improve on is not just look at what the person is skilled at, but also inform them, okay, When you do this just now, you're not going to get a job easily. Because at 17, that's just not how you think. You're not really, I believe when you're 17, you don't think that far. And it's also, it has a neurological basis because at 17, your prefrontal lobe is not that evolved yet. So obviously at 17, I don't think about the job market. I'm not surprised at that. I just wish it was like really explained to me in depth that this is what it's going to look like after you have studied yeah that makes sense that makes sense yeah and I think to your point 
And I talked to a lot of people in similar situations where they pursue degrees and you're at a stage in your life where you just don't know what you don't know. And so you're relying on these individuals like career counselors or people in the network, essentially like at the school, sometimes it's the administration team where you're asking for guidance and you're like, hey, help me understand maybe what are some of the degrees I should consider pursuing. But then there's also the ramifications piece of it, helping someone know, hey, here are some of the potential scenarios. Here's what's going on in the job market right now. Here's what the job market anticipated forecast for the future looks like. Now here you have the information. This is going to help you make that decision that's going to be best for you. And I, I get a lot of people in your situation that come to me saying, this was not explained to me. Like they, yes, we went through and I did the career assessment and all of these things, but they didn't help me understand what the job market truly is going to look like for me if I do pursue this degree. And so then they have a degree that they're not able to utilize, right? At least not right when they leave college. So it's like typically a journey. And I've even talked to people that are like, hey, I haven't ever used my degree. And so I think there is an opportunity there to your point for that education piece where some of these people can step up their game and how they're educating some of the younger generation on what their opportunities are. So I do appreciate you sharing that because I think that's helpful for people maybe that are getting ready to go into college or maybe those that are considering going back into college to ask some of those hard questions about, okay, I'm considering this degree, but can you help me understand to your point, what is going on in the market? Is this a degree that a lot of people are are using? Is there a need or the demand is there? So I think that's a great call out. As far as And I want to just shift a little bit because I do want to go back to your search. So I know you said right now you're in a place where you are looking for opportunities and the challenge has been, how can I showcase and market myself in a way that these employers will see me and give me a chance? So when you are looking at opportunities, what has your approach been? Like what kind of roles are you looking for? What has your experience been trying to find a job? So What I've looked at is opportunities where they do not expect, they expect entry-level experience, so they don't want five years of experience in something. I've looked at HR roles, intern roles, there's IOP administration. I've also looked at people business because I feel like that is what I can do. Because I have a lot of experience as well. While I was studying, I also did leadership roles. I like was on the house committee, so I like... I organized a house of 200 girls. I had events of um, wellness week. I held like health week. I held diversity week. So I did a lot of different stuff. I was also a project leader where I worked with the community. So I know, okay, I know I can do project management. I know I can work with the community. I know that I'm good with organizing. Like I have good organizational skills. I'm good with communication. And also like with psychology, I think you have a, quite good grasp on communication as well and people so I've been looking at that and where I have opportunities to grow into a other sector let's say I get the opportunity to work for this place and they help me grow into the field of psychometry or they help me grow into the field of industrial psychology or HR where I see okay I have a future for this so I have been to like I think six online interviews and then three in person. And then I have one next week. The other, I did not get the job, but at least I feel like I got the in-person interviews, which means they did believe in me enough to see me in person. So they did see something. 
And the one for next week, I got really good feedback after the online interview. Like they told me, they feel like I've, I'm not asking for enough money, which I feel like is a really good sign. And they want to see me again. Yeah, that's wonderful. So the company, like the people are telling you, hey, you're not asking for enough? Yes, they is told that, me that. That's amazing. Yeah, that's normally yeah. it's the opposite where they're like trying yeah. to, you know, yeah. skirt around and, and lowball a lot of times. But that, yes, that is definitely a good sign. And that is exciting that you're getting interviews as far as like how, like how are you networking? Are you just, are you applying to like local job boards? Like how are you identifying these opportunities and applying for the roles that you've landed interviews for? So for me, the most useful platform this thus far was Indeed because they show more relevant listings to my searches and then I apply, okay. but I also find like local placement agencies. So one in South Africa that's really good is Recruiter Graduate. They got me this recent interview. And before the interview, they sent me tips for interview, which I thought was really nice. And they also talked to the employer and told the employer I'm like a really good option. So they talked me up, if that makes sense. So I think that's really good. And they also paid for my criminal check for the job and they paid for it, which I think is great. Yeah, so that's what I've been using. And I also have a LinkedIn profile, but your LinkedIn's search suggestions are usually not that accurate. I don't know why. They show me jobs that are really not something I can apply for because it's 10 years experience, three master's degrees needed, stuff like that. Yeah. And you're like, why are you even sending this my way? Because I yeah. can't apply for these no yeah that's funny it's not funny so let me yeah. it's not, I've seen that too because even on my own LinkedIn profile a lot of times I'll get jo random jobs where my background's primarily been in recruiting and the HR and then all of a sudden it's like oh you should go and apply to be like a dentist or something, something yeah. random and I'm like stuff like that yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like what, what is this so it sounds like for you like definitely indeed has been a great tool for you and then leveraging like local agencies yeah. and you've had some really good success with partnering with some of the local agencies that it sounds like they've actually been advocates for you too and yeah. really putting you in front of the employer saying hey this is a great candidate this is someone you wanted to talk to it sounds like yeah they, they're that, really great in that seems yeah that is amazing and has it been a long process for you or has this been relatively smooth and the kind of like Quick, were you seeing progress with the interviews and so forth? Like, how has your journey been? Like, what length of time has this taken you? So that is the first question. And then I guess the second question would be, is how are you keeping yourself motivated? Just because I'm sure there's times where you're like, feeling the pains of searching for a job. So the process for me feels long because for me in my head, the process started when I started applying for master's last year in April. Because there I had to do interviews, I had to write essays. So that was already taking my energy. And then at the end of the year last year, after I did my honours, I started applying for jobs. But the problem was in South Africa, once it's December, you can't do anything. Like the business is closed, everything, everyone's on vacation, on holidays. So during December, you can't get anything done. Like honestly... All the offices closed. So I had to wait the, the whole month of December before I can like hear back from places because I knew they were on leave. So then they mm -hmm. messaged me like the second week of January. But also then like some of the interviews, they take two weeks to reject you, which I have a problem with because 
I don't understand why it takes that long. So it has been long and some places take long to schedule the interview. Like they say, okay, you have a second interview, but they take three weeks to give you the date and time. So it has been long. It has been frustrating, definitely. And I'm really hoping this job interview next week is really promising because they ask nice questions and they were really nice. So I really hope. And the good thing is they only employ graduates. So I think their vision is to train graduates with no experience and give them experience, which I think is great. So I hope that happens for me. And how I've been keeping myself motivated is to just, when I get rejected, just to give myself a chance to mourn that, if that makes sense. Give myself a chance to be angry about it, to be sad about it, to talk to someone about it. And then the next day I have to move on. I have to start searching again. So I go and then I look at job listings, I apply. Even if it's a shot in the dark, I will still apply because maybe someone sees something in me. And I think what is really important is a support network and to talk with other people who knows what you're going through. So firstly, support network can be your family, it can be your friends, whoever you feel supported by, just talk to them about it so that you don't yeah. keep all of it inside because it can be really draining. And then secondly, people who understand what you're going through, if you don't know someone in person, go online. There is an online community for this. And I feel like it helped me a lot to see videos about job seeking and how hard it can be because then you feel less alone because sometimes you turn it on yourself and you think, okay, there's something wrong with me. Why am I not getting the jobs? But then you go on that community. Okay, there's a lot of talented people who struggle as well. Yeah, you're absolutely right about that. And I love that you brought all of those points up because plus one to everything that you're saying, I think that the more like I talk to people and hear people's stories and their journeys similar to you, it's like, it feels alone, which is why like I wanted to even start this podcast, for example, because I'm like, there's so many people that are struggling, people that are talented, that are questioned, like they're questioning their entire lives and they're questioning, do I have value because they're applying for jobs and then they're getting rejected or they're applying for jobs and they, they're not hearing anything back. And it's what do I need to do in order for somebody to see me, to hire me? And so I, I thank you for being so open to share that because I think a lot of people, to your point, are in that situation where when you're struggling to find a role, knowing that you have these skills and this experience, but when you're getting no feedback or you're getting rejections, it does become very daunting and you feel alone and isolated and overwhelmed, all these different emotions and a sense of worth. I was even thinking about, yes, like now, like I have my own company, but there was a point where I was like on the fence if I was going to start my own company or if I was going to start applying for jobs. And I was even putting out some applications and I didn't hear anything back from, I don't even know like how many applications I received like some rejections where I'm like, I'm qualified for these roles. What is wrong? And then you just get that generic, oh, we've decided to move forward with someone else or so it's frustrating, but it is nice. I think to your point, and I think necessary for people to have that sense of community now, like more than ever, just because the job market, yes, it's challenging, but I think there's added layers of complexity that are starting to reveal themselves just with the change in the world and with AI technology, for example. And so just things that are going to continue to evolve the job market. So I I really just want to say, I appreciate you bringing that up because I think it's important for people to hear it from somebody who is actively currently going through that process and you're opening up and sharing your story there. So 
thank you for that. Thank you. Yeah. And then I did want to, I'm just curious, I know that you're actively interviewing. I know that you're really just trying to look forward to what this, the future is going to hold for you. Do you mind sharing? I know right now you're focusing on trying to get a job, but are you planning on continuing the path of your psychology degree and going into the master's program and just continuing that route to eventually get to where you're trying to go? Or have you had a change of heart and thinking to go in another direction? I feel like I have had a change of heart when I saw how the selection process worked and I took the psychology route and I like considered it and then I was like, I don't think this is for me. I'm not willing to put myself out there continuously for them just to reject me just because there's not enough space. I don't think that's good for me. So then I was like, okay, I want to build a career in something that I can use my skills. So I believe, like, at this stage, I'm really willing to go into any direction that uses my skills where I can grow. And that has also have been the challenge at some job interviews because some people want you to specifically tell them what you're going to do. And I was at an interview where the job listing was not specific. The job listing was project manager. So it wasn't like a specific job listing. They couldn't really tell me what you're going to do, but they wanted me to tell them what I'm going to do. Then I was like, I'm trying to tell you, but I don't really know. Like I didn't tell them I don't really know, but in my head, I'm like, I don't really know what you do because you're not telling me what you do. Then I just saw them like, like, I just saw them like, I'm willing to grow into any role you see me in. I'm willing to do anything. But that guy wanted to have a specific answer, which I found interesting because there was no specific job listing. So it was really weird. But I think that plays into my challenge of finding a job that fits my skills because I don't have a specific job description for what I do. I have skills, what I can do, and I have talents and stuff. But when it comes to a specific job title, I do not have one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Oh, it sounds like that person maybe needs some interview training. Just (laughs) going to throw that out there. So they've been sending that person a message and say, Hey, do you need some interview training? I can help you. But I think those are good call outs because again, like when you're, especially when you're really trying to break into the professional field where you're trying to find your path as a, a career professional and you have these different skills that you can utilize and you're still earlier in the journey where you're like, okay, where, what path am I going to go? Um, when you're being asked a very pointed question like that, I, I can see where it'd be like challenging to answer that. And then on the flip side of that, it's, hey, I'm telling you what I can bring to the table. I'm sharing with you what my skills are. So if I don't have the information, you're not telling me what you're looking for. Like, how am I supposed to know? It definitely sounds a little bit frustrating there, but it sounds like you you handled yourself well the best that you could. It, that actually reminds me just I'm curious random question that just came to my mind as far as interviews go have you had any strange interviews or any strange interview questions or a question that was like particularly challenging for you that you would be willing to share something that like stands out top of mind the strangest question was from the same interview so the the guy was Spanish I think there was maybe a cultural thing as well to do with it But he asked me about my family because he just wanted to know more about me. And then he asked me, what does my boyfriend do? And I was like, I do not have a boyfriend. And then he was like, why? Now, like, I don't know what is the 
why do you expect that question the answer to that question will be like how would it lead to anything good anyways but then I was like no I don't really date men I just told him that I didn't feel unsafe to tell that and yeah. then <laughs> he was just like oh okay see homosexuals <laughs> and he was like yeah it's fine we're neutral and stuff like that and I was like yeah cool and I could see he was a bit like shaken but not really he wasn't trying yeah. to be weird at all like he was not trying to be weird with the question I just don't think it was the wisest question to ask um, yeah but yeah I just think he was trying to get to know me and then it took a turn I don't know that's to me that sounds like an HR issue I'm like I feel like this I was person so definitely surprised. Yeah, that's wow. Okay, that is one for the books. <laughs> definitely one for the books. So we'll, no. we'll uh, I'll leave it at that. That's one for the books. But wow. Okay, I feel like I, I hear a lot of stories, and then there's just like that one story or that one no. uh, example <laughs> that kind of one ups. And I'm like, yeah. But it, that's for you. That's a blessing, I think, in disguise where that didn't end up working out because that probably wasn't where you needed to be yeah. So, yeah yeah I I'm curious as we start wrapping up here is there anything else that top of mind for you any thoughts that you want to share if you were on the receiving end listening to this is there anything that you would want people to hear from you firstly I just have a question and then I'll share something I want yeah. to know when you go to an in-person interview for me I feel like I'm not a very performative person, so I will be a bit reserved. But if you ask me a question, I'll answer you very well. And I'm very direct as well with my communication style. But I'm not like this bubbly, talkative person. And I'm not going to put up an act because that's just not how I am. And sometimes I wonder, does that hold me back when it comes to in-person interviewing? That I'm not like wowing them with my personality. That's a great question. So what I will say is I definitely understand where you're coming from because there is an aspect of like how you present yourself and portray yourself in the interview, especially in person. People are looking at your facial expressions. They're looking at your the way you're sitting, so your body language. And so there is that aspect, I believe, and just from having interviewed people, having gone through interviews myself, having helped coach people going through interviews what I have seen where people have performed the best and have succeeded in moving to either next stage interviews or landing offers is that if you're finding that balance of where you can show some of that excitement and granted to your point, you have to do it in a way that's going to be authentic, more so authentic to you, because like you said, you're more reserved and you're just more, Hey, I'm happy to answer questions, but not necessarily that overly like bubbly and just that. And I think that is okay. I think that what I would recommend is trying to find a balance because you do want to show some of that excitement because I think that helps show the interviewer that you are, you're really interested in the opportunity. And that's really the goal. One of the goals is you want to show that you're interested, you're engaged. You want to show them that, you know, you are ready to jump in. And so part of that is just how you show up. And so if you're more bubbly and you're more like talkative, maybe like talkative in the sense of you're like yeah. engaging in the conversation, smiling a little bit, you're probably going to see better results just because if you're there and it's more of like, 
you have the, the stoic face and you're just, okay, I'm going to answer the questions. Then they might feel like, I don't know if, if, is this person really interested or not? Or, but also thinking about the fact too, that some of it is like, there's a cultural aspect to, to it too, because in some cultures, like the way people communicate, that is just not that expressive nature is just not the way people communicate. So I think for you, I would recommend finding a balance. So maybe in the beginning, just like, of course, starting with a smile and I'm so excited to be here, looking forward to this conversation, however you want to introduce it, and then go into your natural kind of state where you're engaging in the conversation. It's almost, yeah. I always compare interviewing to, it's almost like dating. It really is yeah. where you're trying to find that like balance of courting and vice versa. And no. I'm interviewing, hey, like they're interviewing you, but I'm interviewing you too. So I think for you, I would, that's what I would be recommending is just like intro, like you jump into the conversation, sit tall, give them a nice big smile, let them know you're ready to go into the conversation and then just let it be natural for you. Just, but I think that initial is very big because it sets the tone for the rest of the conversation. So I, I, I know that's a long-winded answer, but I wanted to give you like a thorough response. Yeah. Does that help? Or it definitely does. It makes sense when you put it like that, where it's like dating in the sense like you have to present a part of yourself like in a balanced way. And also yeah. to that part of being interested makes sense. Like you have to look interested. So yeah. I think asking yeah. a lot of questions also would help. Like a question about the business or the company. Absolutely. Yeah, no, definitely you're spot on. Yeah, I always tell people because I've had people that are like, oh, I don't ask questions. I'm like, you need to be asking questions in the interview. Like that is a non, almost like, I would you say know. like a non-negotiable because you, it, to your point, it's part of that and you're engaged. You're showing them that you're interested, you're invested, you've done your homework, you, like you're engaged in what the company has to offer. So absolutely. I think that's a great call out too. If the questions is big. Okay. All right. So we're back. Okay, so yes, if you have any final thoughts that you would be willing to share, that you'd like to share, whatever is on your mind that you want to close this out with, I would very greatly appreciate that. And I think the audience would too. Okay, so I think most important takeaway is to try to have as much experience as you can with people in terms of do you see an experience where you can do leadership or you can get involved with the community? Make friends with different kinds of people. It gives you different perspectives. It helps to do that. And just when you see an opportunity to grab it, like it's very important, especially when you're young, to try to get as much life experience as possible because I really think that makes you a more valuable employee at the end of the day. And most importantly, a, a better person because you have more understanding of what other people go through as well yeah yeah absolutely that I think that's wonderful advice Rosani thank you that I plus one definitely on getting to know people meeting people trying to get as much experience as you can being open to opportunities as they come your way and I think keeping an open mind is really big too because sometimes things will come to us and we are like oh but this isn't necessarily like what I thought was thinking, or this is not the path that I was thinking of going, but it could be a really great opportunity. So I think staying open is a really great call out. So thank you so much for being on this conversation with me. Thank you for engaging. Thank you so much for just sharing your story and coming to the table today. 
for joining us on Diary of the Unseen Job Seeker. Today's stories remind us of the strength found in vulnerability and the power of shared experiences. Until next time, keep the faith, embrace the journey, and let's continue to support each other in the unseen struggles and triumphs of job seeking. Here's to finding our way together.